Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Hey, Gain, Grow, Retain. I wanted to tell you about I Digress, which is hosted by Troy Sandage and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's got shows under 30 minutes, and it helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion in your business uh, through a series of frameworks and strategies. Um, he talks all about scalable and sustainable success. He hits on things like marketing, sales, customer success, and more. So go check out I Digress and listen to I Digress wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. Uh, today, I am joined by Christine Lavery, who is the uh, Director of Customer Success, Senior Director of Customer Success, sorry, I almost um, shortchanged you there. Senior Director of Customer Success at SecureWorks. Um, so Christine, thank you for uh, hopping on with us today. We're excited to do this. Yes, you're welcome. I'm really excited about this too. Um, yes. All right. We, so I like to do some icebreakers at the beginning, you know, uh, get to know a little bit about you, uh, you know, let the audience kind of peek behind the curtain. So um, the Thanksgiving holiday, we're recording this right before the Thanksgiving holiday. It's around the corner. Um, so one of my go-to questions recently has been, um, what is your, like, what's the favorite dish? Like, what do you go to? What do you gravitate towards on the Thanksgiving, uh, dinner table? You know, uh, what do you look forward to the most? Oh my gosh. Um, so many things. So, but I guess the one that's my most favorite is uh, butternut squash soup. So Ooh. yeah, my husband makes this killer version of it. Um, he's, he loves to cook. So we've experimented with all kinds <laughs> and, um, this particular one, I mean, it's not shy on butter. It's not shy on cream, but technically, you know, there is some butternut squash in there <laughs> yeah. and it's really good. So I look I forward like to that every year. So awesome. Um, yeah, I like to cook too. I, um, but so I like to cook, but generally around the holidays, um, I don't know. Those aren't the things I like to cook. Like I'm a big, like, um, I like to use the grill and like, I like to smoke, like we've got a smoker in the back. So like, um, a lot of the things I like to cook aren't things that we do around the holidays, but I do like to cook. So I appreciate your, your husband doing that. Um, yes. I'll give you mine just since you went first, but, um, right now I think my favorite, and I don't know why, but this has been, my mom's made this ever since I was a kid was, um, this corn casserole dish that she makes. That's like, you get some Jiffy cornbread mix in there. You get some like real corn, um, you get some like, and I don't know why, but it to me is like, especially if it's served hot, like that to me is just like something that I go to and gravitate towards all the time. So, uh, we're actually going to a friend's house for Thanksgiving this year. And, um, they were like, we we're all trying to make up the menu. And I was just telling my wife, I was like, we're making corn casserole. Cause I don't think anybody else likes it or makes it. So like, we're going to make it and bring it. Uh, so we made sure to get that one in. So it sounds based on what you described, really similar to something that, um, I also really enjoy. So, um, I mean, the breadcrumbs, like you can't go wrong with, you got to have that crunch and then, you know, you have the corn, so you're getting a little healthy vegetable in there. So all is well. It's basically, it's basically like, I always like to equate it. Like it's like corn, they call it like corn casserole, but it's basically like a cornbread that like somehow it's like a little, you know, the consistency is a little bit more like a casserole. So there you um, go. it's good. Um, all right, cool. Next, next, uh, icebreaker question is, um, let's say it's not a holiday. What, you know, if Christine was designing her um, ideal Sunday morning, you know, walk us through like, what's an ideal Sunday morning look like to you? An ideal Sunday morning. Well, there's, um, 
I have two young kids, so five and two, and they're boys, and they're wild. Um, so my current Sunday mornings are spent trying to drink some coffee while um, they're being wild and crazy and, and fun. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of fun and a lot of energy. Um, but ideally, I mean, to be able to have a warm cup of coffee with like a croissant or something and just kind of sit there and gradually wake up, that would be ideal, but that's not my reality right now <laughs> at all. I like so. that. Um, so Jay, who uh, founded Gangro Tain with me and he, um, you know, helps record some of the podcast episodes and everything he bought his wife. Uh, so he, he has three kids and he was talking about the same phenomenon. So he bought his wife, one of those um, Ember cups. If you ever seen those where it like keeps your coffee, uh, keeps your cup or mug like to a certain temperature so that your stuff stays warm. So he bought his wife that because um, she had that same, she was like, man, I've reheated this coffee like 20 times. And now it's just like burnt coffee from the microwave and it doesn't taste as good. So uh, I know that for not, I, I don't have kids yet, but I know that phenomenon you're explaining because I feel like I've lived it through what he was talking about too. Yes. And those Amber cups, I've been looking at them. Um, they come in a variety of colors and hey, I'm like, holiday maybe gift. I should get one. You're right. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Last, last uh, icebreaker. And then um, I promise we can move on. So um, if, if you were going to go anywhere um, right now, kind of drop, you know, drop all your responsibilities leave the family behind solo vacation. Um, where, where are you going to go to? Oh, um, ooh, um, probably just travel around Europe. Um, I have friends to see. Yeah. Yeah. I be... haven't seen in a long time. Um, and it would just be amazing to do that with like, no like obligations to anything or anyone that would be just spectacular so um of course I have lots of other plans of all kinds of travel like excursions yeah. I want to take but like without having to worry about kids and given that COVID's been getting close to two years here like I would love to have an opportunity just to travel around Europe catch up with friends and even some family as well that haven't seen in a while so that would be amazing yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I think that, um, uh, that's probably a lot of people's answers. Like you said, over the last couple of years, you know, with, uh, travel, uh, with travel being hampered, you know, I think a lot of us are like, all right, well, I just want to go back and connect people and get back to doing st some, uh, having some experiences in person. So, uh, so true. I would definitely, I would definitely take you up on that too. Yes. Um, all right, cool. Well, let's, now that the icebreakers are over, the hard part is over. We can get to the easy part for you. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think the genesis of what we were going to hop through today is, you know, we, um, we kind of met via LinkedIn and we were going back and forth about, um, just CS operations. I, I had put a post out there recently that I was highlighting, um, like why CS operations should be high on your holiday list of, uh, you know, and why you should be building that type of role or function in your business. Um, and you had, um, you had gone through, through some experiences recently that would be fun to talk through, but maybe give us a glimpse of, um, kind of even outside of CS ops, but you know, like what, what for you has been going on uh, kind of in your world and your business? Like, what have you been um, working on and building up until, up until kind of this moment right now? Like what, what are some of the big things or milestones maybe that you've been, uh, you've been doing recently? Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm super passionate about CS ops. So thank you again for this opportunity to have this discussion with you. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, it's been, uh, I guess, since August, September of last year, uh, we made a decision that we really want to, right, 
company made a decision that we really want to stand up a customer success organization. So um, we've been around um, for a long time in the security industry, um, but now it was time to really focus on that um, customer first, customer success um, type approach. So um, spent all of that second half of last year focusing on designing, creating, and developing a CS organization. And then January of this year, which it's hard to believe, I mean, that we're, um, you know, where we are in the year approaching Thanksgiving, um, that we kicked this off in January in the form of a, a boot camp with our newly minted CSMs. Um, so we did a two-week program, um, discussed our methodology, discussed our product, um, discussed the tools that we had at our fingertips, and then we really kicked it off in February with engaging with um, our customers from a CS perspective. Um, and so now we've, we're migrating from that the, those moments where we're really tracking what I'd call our leading indicators, like what are the, what's the muscle memory that we want our CSMs to have around how to execute CS effectively. And yep. then now we're starting to look at the lagging indicators that say, is what we've done a success or not? And so, um, you know, in parallel to all of this is standing up that CS ops function, um, which is paramount to to being able to tell the types of stories that we want to be able to craft. And even, even not just on the story side, like, are there some things that we're seeing that maybe aren't working well and that we need to adjust? CS Ops helps us with that as well. So yeah. super excited to engage in this with you. Yeah, there's some, so even before we jump in CS Ops, there's maybe some cool, um, just little pointed questions I want to ask just as you've gone through that experience. So maybe the first, you kind of talked about this boot camp, you know, running your teams kind of through, um, almost like it sounds like a, um, you know, like sales has a kickoff, sales teams have kickoffs every single year. So it kind of sounded like you were doing that, but for CS, right? So, hey, we're having a customer success kickoff. We're going to do two weeks and it's kind of, uh, we're probably hyping everyone up for the year. We're probably setting goals and, and kind of talking about what we want to accomplish. And then we're probably doing some training and trying to get people into to playbooks and um, the types of activities and things that we want to do. You're getting your books of business, whatever it might be. Um, is there anything that you learned about maybe doing that type of, of exercise, like virtually, is there anything that you kind of took away from that? Like, AKA, like, how do you create some of those sessions to be engaging? I don't know if there's anything that you maybe learned or anything that you want to throw out there. It's kind of like, Hey, uh, for anybody listening, you know, here's a way maybe to think about doing this going forward. So I think there, there's two, two, well, there's lots of takeaways, but if the, I were to highlight two, um, yeah. the first one is you can't do all day sessions. People will, they'll, no, just doesn't work. So um, over the two week period, we did half day sessions for the team. So they could spend the afternoons. Um, so it was morning for us um, and then afternoon for our EMEA folks. Um, so they could spend their the other part of their day, day focusing on learning and absorbing some of what they, they learned. Um, the other thing, the engagement component, I think is the most critical. And we, we facilitated sessions that would enable um, interaction. So um, we would ask open-ended questions, get people, not, not just like your standard icebreaker, because of course we did that at the beginning, don't get me wrong. But then yep. we also talked about like, in particular situation, how would you approach this? Or if you're working on recommendations for your customers, what would be a right way to really 
engage them so they're interested in that recommendation. And so we, we had that like engaging type conversation so they could then see the application of what we were teaching to how to actually use it. And um, the feedback that we got from the team members was they really appreciated that um, type of conversation and discussion and appreciated the planning that went into that. So yeah. That is my- awesome. Yeah. That, so um, I love that you mentioned the, the part, part about just um, asking better opening questions like that to me is something I've had to work on a lot. And I think it becomes real, really critical. I think you start to realize when you start um, walking into meetings, call sessions, whatever, when you start doing that um, with a mindset of like, okay, how do I ask better questions? How do I get better discussion or generate engagement? You actually start realizing how many yes or no questions you ask. And it's just by, it's just by habit or nature. And so if you can, if you can spend extra time just thinking, okay, how would I craft this question differently? So instead of a yes or no, I can actually get a response. Um, I think it just offers so much more. Like we founded our Gang Grower Team community off of office hour sessions and we were facilitating those. We had in some cases, a hundred or 200 people on a call. And so we would do breakout rooms and other things to generate engagement. But largely when you're facilitating a group of, of that large, you know, it's how do you kind of get order, but how do you really move a conversation from point A to point B um, and really do that in a flowing way? And so I think to your point, like asking better questions, thinking a lot about the facilitation. Like I think sometimes people just don't put a lot of prep time. Hey, we'll just hop on a zoom. It's easy. I just press a button. It turns on a meeting. We hop in like, but you know, if you can prepare in the right ways, then it's going to create a much better product for you, for the business and for your employees. You guys did that though, that you guys thought about the exercise of kind of having this kickoff. Let's get everyone amped on the same page. Let's get everyone thinking about the right types of activities. And then even just the exercises that you went through, it sounds like um, everyone enjoyed that too. Yeah. And honestly, we've continued to do refreshes. I call them methodology refreshes, um, where we just kind of restate the core components of our methodology. And then we practice safe space to practice. Like um, everybody can learn from these experiences that we're sharing. And now that we have some real life examples of what went well, or maybe what didn't land well, um, we talk about that in these, the, we call them refresher trainings. So it's, um, it's good stuff. Yeah. I like that. All right. The second question, maybe before we jump into CS ops, um, that I wanted to pull out from what you mentioned is it sounds like, um, a pretty big transition for, for not only your, your teams or for the business, for your teams, um, but also for customers, right. At the end of the day, you're introducing a new role. They're probably unsure maybe of of what this role is. How's it going to be valuable? Um, they probably had concerns, maybe like, is this included or not included? Or am I, do I have to pay extra for this? So I'm curious, like, how did, how did you all think about kind of rolling out that messaging and thinking, you know, okay, how do we position this in the right way to a customer so that they can understand a, that, you know, kind of what they're getting with this role. And then, um, B, you know, like what we're trying to accomplish by offering this and like what, what this type of change management is that we're going to be going through with them. Yeah. So, um, man, it's a most multifaceted, not single threaded approach to doing this. So um, a lot of times um, the way you can hit the ground running with your customers is making sure that the expectations are set appropriately with the customer in the sales cycle. So um, I've spent some time engaging with um, our sales teams to help them understand um, what it is that the CSMs provide to customers and, and why it's valuable to the customers. And so um, we've you know, created day, day in the life views that take some actual like tactical examples of how a CSM would engage with the customer um, and, and you know, racy views. Um, yeah. 
so and some people love raise views some people don't so we just have it available for those who who like the different approaches um but then it, as csms ourselves we we level set in our first conversations with the customer we talk about how we want to have that degree of partnership with you, you know, Mr. Ms. Customer, and we want to work together with you. So we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on usage and adoption of our platform, but we're also going to ask you, like, what does success mean to you? And, and this is where the powerful questions comes into play yep. um, because Customer A and B could say the exact same thing at a super high level, but you have to be curious to dive in to understand more what that means to them truly. Like, how do they measure it? How are they going to go back to their board or their leadership to say, yes, we were successful with, with that company? So um, we spend a lot of time talking about that. And um, there definitely are some customers that are still a little unsure, but once we take them through it, the first couple times they start to see the connection between how we're having conversations with them and that how that equates to the success they wanted to achieve. Yeah, the the one thing that I I've always thought about um, who make really good CSMs or you know the type of person or persona is somebody who gets really curious and interested in um, other businesses really like. How does this business make money? Um, you know, uh, what's kind of the power structure? Who, you know, how are they organized themselves to do the work? Um, how are they using our data or the data maybe that our our uh, tool or product offers? How are they using that to make decisions? Or where else are they putting that in the company? So, um, I think to your point, it's always like I always feel like that person who's naturally curious, who's um, taking some of those early questions and kind of diving deeper, figuring out a little bit more of the why. Like those are always the ones too that develop deeper relationships naturally because they're just curiously asking questions. And then once they start getting in, they're like, oh, now that I know how this is kind of working, I can figure out, okay, what are the right ways maybe to um, push and prod in kind of certain areas um, and kind of positioning and, and, and ways to do that. So uh, I love that example. And I think to your point too, like, um, I think there's a lot of companies who are actually almost, I think, doing reverse of what you are. Like, I think there's a lot of companies right now who are, um, who have offered uh, offered customer success in a very hands-on and high-touch way. And I think they're actually trying to, to message um, and kind of back down from that. They're, I think because they're realizing like, oh, we're, we're scaling, our company's growing and we can't you know, continue to add more CSMs. And so now we're kind of doing you know, a little bit more digital touch. We're doing a little bit more marketing campaigns. And so, um, but now how do I message and take away a CSM? And so I think it's almost the same thing, like you said, right? It, it I almost think of it as agnostic of the person that's there or not. It's how are we going to help you be successful as a business? Um, and these answers, whether you're telling them to a person or you're telling them to um, us and we're capturing the data in some other way, like those answers are critical for us to know what you're trying to accomplish, how you're trying to accomplish it. Um, and so like, yes, you know, getting a, a CSM and, and having somebody who can help you think about those best practices or ways that we can mold the product into what you're trying to achieve um, that's one way of getting there. You know, there's other ways of doing that now through other digital means. And so I think there's, um, it's funny, you mentioned kind of, you know, building, building up to that moment. Um, and I think there's also, there's, there's the reverse that's happening for other people that are out there right now too. Well, and we're not immune to that either. So we're looking at how we can provide better digital um, tech touch, if you will, um, for our customers. Um, and it's a balancing act because we want to ensure that that 
um, personalization is still there for the customers so that we're hearing them, um, but we also are able to do it in a digital manner. So um, funny enough, I had just sent a note to my team earlier this morning um, around a, a, a data-driven article that I had read around this topic. And um, so kind of started that brainstorm um, to help us with that next excuse me, that next stage of our maturation. So yeah, um, yeah, it's a interesting and important problem that we need to, to solve. Yeah. That, um, I'm, I'm probably going to, um, ask you to send me that article too, cause I'm in the For same sure. process. Yeah. Um, hello, Gangrotain. This is Jeff. You might be listening to the show today for many reasons. Maybe you're looking to learn something new. Maybe you're looking to listen to a speaker that you love, or maybe you're driving and the co-pilot has control of the radio. Whatever the case is, I wanted to tell you about HubSpot's CRM platform and some new pieces that improve the customer experience. First, customer intelligence tools that help your teams get real-time insight into calls through automatic recording, transcription, and analysis. Think about the types of conversations and coaching that you can do with your customer teams. Next is easy share meeting links, which let your customers see availability and book meetings with you all from the HubSpot platform. The last improved data hygiene, and that always is needed in a CRM platform. So learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. So you, so obviously the kind of the crux of what we jumped on was just around CSOps. It sounds like you said, you know, you're um, going through interesting things. You've kind of had to add CSMs to the team. We're getting everyone rallied around um how are we providing value to the customer? What are the types of conversations we're having? What are the types of activities? And so how have you kind of brought CSOps along? And I'm curious too, um, did you bring, I guess like, did you already have, or did you add CSMs first and then kind of bring in CSOps? Did you bring them in at the same time? Um, what was the, kind of the order of operations that you're going through? So we, we brought in CSMs first, but I had identified way back when I was um, creating the function that we definitely need to have operations. Yep. Um, that's really important and really critical. And um, so it was a fast follow. So we got the team up and running. It was really important to get the team with our customers first off. Um, so we focused on that. Um, and then you know, I, I go into my first monthly business review, like internally at SecureWorks, and it's like leadership's going to expect results already. And um, as there, as that just happens, right? Yeah, yeah. And yep. and so it's like I need to be able to tell the story of where we are in our journey, yep. and it needs to be data driven because um, I will not be effective as a leader if I'm just going off of a sense off of a feeling, if you will. Um, so I asked my leader at the time, I was like, I, I need an operations position. Yeah. I need an individual who loves data and wants to tell stories with data. And um, fortunately, um, that individual was already at SecureWorks and was really interested in joining my team. Nice. And so we hit the ground running. I was like, here's the basic things that we're trying to do, like I mentioned earlier, to get that muscle memory going with the team. How do we tell the story of ensuring to leadership that those basics are happening? And so yeah. we started there. Very simple. That and, like, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I, was gonna, um, I love that example that you just pulled out, too, of like um, the storytelling and how important that it like I think there's um, 
I think today, right, we, we hear words like big data and we're supposed to be analytical and data driven all the time. And I think um, to some degree that gives us like some analysis paralysis, but by and large, right, like we need to be making business decisions off of um, a clear like direction and set of, of uh, data that we can rely on that we know is, is there, it's going to be repeatable, it's going to be ways that we can make business decisions. And so I think back to your point, like that becomes critical. And I think as you become a leader, and you are making some of those decisions, you get, um, I'll say you maybe get some leeway, right? There are some, there's going to be some instances where they'll take your judgment and kind of say, okay, we'll believe you if you, if you kind of know, and you kind of, you know, uh, you, you kind of know, you have a feeling, you've got some leading indicators that are moving in the right direction, but by and large, it's always going to relate back to the data, but you're going to get a couple of opportunities where you have the, you know, Hey, we can use some qualitative information here, but I like how you're saying like, Hey, we need to make sure that this is all rooted in quantitative and, making sure that we've got the story to be telling. Um, so you, it sounds like then, like you said, like the first piece that you focused on was, uh, are, are our CSMs doing the right activities with customers? And are we be able to measure that and start talking about, okay, if I had to guess, I'm kind of projecting ahead, but if I had to guess, you're kind of looking at, okay, what percentage of customers were we able to do activities A, B, and C with? Um, and you know how, how successful are we at those? And um, then down the line, probably start drawing correlations to the lag indicators. Okay, are those activities leading us into higher renewal rates, higher retention, higher CSAT, NPS, that kind of stuff? So you totally got it. So yeah, that first step was making sure, are we doing the right things? Because um, I have confidence that the methodology that we've designed um, is the right methodology, um, but we have to test that. And the only way to test that is by making sure we execute and then um, looking at those lagging indicators that say, yes, the customers did retain with us. Um, so, you know, first step again, making sure that they were doing the activity. The second step, um, and this was just the evolution that we went on was, um, you know, this is a loaded topic. Lots of people have opinions on health scores, um, but we do have a health score and um, we, we leverage it to help us identify potential areas of risk with our customers. And, um, and so we have eight different components of it. And, um, you know, based on the, you know, if a customer is red, amber, or green on a particular health metric, then that indicates whether or not we should be reaching out proactively to say, hey, you know, customer, we believe that there might be some challenges here with your engagement with our product, for example. Yep. Um, and then we take it from there. Obviously, we have a playbook around that. I, that's not the sophisticated, sophisticated yeah, yeah. version of it. But um, so, so we started looking at that. And, and then I started looking at the data we were already capturing um, around these are the activities we expect you to be doing. And so I asked um, my guy in CS Ops to say, is there or can you tell a correlation between improvements in the health score over time and activities that we're taking? Conversely, cool. can you see if there is a decrease in the health score and are the CSMs taking action. That's cool. And yeah, so luckily, fortunately, the data has been put into our EDW enterprise data warehouse that makes it easy for him to extract. Um, I yep. think that's really key actually. Yeah. And so he created this report that enables me to see that. that and cool. so I can see that, um, 
I'll just use a number, for example, 85% of the time that a CSM takes action, it actually is driving improvement in that customer's health score. Therefore, our hypothesis is decreasing their risk. Yeah, that is so, so cool. Because um, now too, where I think if I had to imagine where you're going, right, is um, now that we know that these activities are driving this type of value, the question then becomes, like, how do we make more efficient activities that we're doing? So um, do we need, uh, is there automation that we can put in? Is it better um, data visibility? Is it um, better triggers? Like what, what is it that creates a better and more efficient activity for us to do if we know that that's driving a positive result um, for us at the end of the day? That's exactly it. And so that's what we're working on right now as we speak is how do we drive those degrees of automation, digital touch, et cetera. And honestly, conversely, one of the other things that we learned is that we have a particular play that um, it's not actually super beneficial when we run it. It doesn't really move the needle on that health metric. And that's informative too. Yeah. That tells me that I need to adjust something in that play or I need to adjust something in the measure because it's not capturing what we need it to be capturing. Yes. Yeah. So the combination of those two things is so powerful and so data-driven in how we make decisions around improving our program. Um, and it's all because of CS ops. Yeah, that's, uh, it's all, like you said, it's almost important. Um, I heard a quote recently and I'm going to butcher it, but, um, prioritization isn't about prioritizing the things that you should be working on. Prioritization sometimes is about the things you shouldn't be working on. So it kind of reminds me of that, right? Like, Hey, we actually found out that maybe this play isn't working right. So maybe we tweak it once or twice, but at the end of the day, maybe we actually just scrap it, right? Like maybe at the end of the day, it's like one of those things that we just say, Hey, this isn't actually providing value. Let's not make, let's not make our team go through this exercise. Um, one, one thing that you just kind of threw in there. Um, and I'm curious if you have other little anecdotes like this, like you said, data warehouse becomes important. Um, I'm, I'm noticing this in our business as well, right? Like, um, it's kind of one of those hokey things. We talked about big data. We talked about warehouses. People are kind of like, Oh, like, I don't know. Those are like, future terms, those are like futuristic terms. And like, we don't really know what those things mean sometimes, but in actuality, like when we think about what we're trying to do in CS ops, a lot of it is like, we need to make sure that the data is in a format and in a um, location that's easily accessible and easy for us to essentially run analysis or look at certain um, attributes or qualities that we can then make business decisions off of. So I know, just like you said earlier, you kind of, um, you kind of mentioned in one of your comments, you were just like, Hey, the day warehouse is actually really important to us. Uh, are there other little things like that, that you've kind of noticed along the way? Like, Ooh, this is something maybe that people gloss over, but it's actually really critical to making sure you get CS ops, right? So yeah, the EDW is really important. Um, uh, no doubt about that. Um, and for us, honestly, it's been a partnership. So um, I haven't really touched on this this much. So we have our BI team, so business intelligence team, they help with a lot of the um, EDW components. Then we have my team from a customer success perspective. And then we also have customer experience. Those are separate. And I actually really like that they're separate um, because customer experience also has the voice of the customer view as well. And so they become neutral and they're absorbing all these data points and actually able to assess from all these different places, not just the things that my team's doing, but our, our other support functions, um, yeah. information that we've heard specific about the product. Um, and, and they work with our product team as well. I mean, I do too, but um, 
I, I love the fact that we have customer experience um, really sitting in that neutral position to analyze all that data to drive additional recommendations for improvement or even drive um, potential new items or changes to the health score because they sit in that neutral position. Um, that I, I really love that we have that as our model because um, I feel like I can go to them um, and I'm getting a non-emotional data-driven um, conversation or, or state of, of how we are, um, yeah. how customers are perceiving us. And, um, and I love that. So, um, so you mentioned starting with the storytelling and kind of getting somebody who is in the data and whatnot, like what's the, as you start building out like that CS ops function, as you go forward, like, are there, are you starting to notice other types of roles that you kind of need to slot in that are going to be complementary to that person that you already have? So yes, um, I actually have an open rec right now um, for shout out a, for anybody who's looking for a role. Yes, uh, for another CS ops person, um, the guy I have now, awesome. But we've discussed it. He's like, I'm only one person. I need a little help. <laughs> so um, you know, we spoke a little bit about the digital and the tech touch component. And so I'm looking for um, an individual that's really going to help. Um, I mean help with the digital tech touch rollout, like yep. focus on the right tool to enable our business, make sure that any of the data is integrated appropriately with um, EDW, work with our IT team and um, and all that, bring it all together. So that, so I have a similar role open. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm calling it, which is customer success program manager. Um, and so it is very similar to what you're describing. Like we need somebody who is, like walking in the doors every day thinking, okay, um, do we have the right messages going to the right customers at the right times? How do we enable those things to do that? Do we have the right data? Do we have the right technology? Um, you know, do I need to get content from other internal teams to make that stuff happen? But that is the similar to what you are rolling out with. So I also have an open rec. I'll fight you for a person. Um, but that's what we're calling as, as a customer success program manager. So um, I think of it I actually think it's a really fun role. And I think it's something that you're starting to see more and more businesses think about is it's kind of part marketing, part customer facing, uh, part community building. Like there's there's kind of multiple elements or facets of it, which I think are pretty fun because I, I don't think it's going to be a, uh, I don't think it's going to be one of those jobs that you just kind of get into. And it's like the same thing every, every single day. Like I think you're going to get in you're going to, you're going to be able to do some data digging because you're going to be like, which segments need the right type of touch points and how do we build that? Um, you're going to be doing, um, analytical work, probably along the ops, you know, your CS ops analyst, analyst um, role, you're going to be doing some marketing campaigns and partnering with marketing, you're going to be looking at content, you're going to be talking to the customer team. So I think it's a really cool role. It's starting to carve out that if somebody is kind of multifaceted like that, uh, but that's how we're, uh, we're calling it or the title that we're calling it, but it sounds really similar to what you're doing. Yeah, it's everything you described is exactly the the type of person that um, I'm looking for. Um, Got to be excited about it. I'm excited yeah. about it. Like, the things we can do with this, yep. um, I see the opportunity here just for our the team to get some additional help to ensure that ultimately our customers are feeling even more love from us yeah. and all enabled through, you know, of course, having the processes and the right people first, but then the technology to help support it. And, yeah. and all done by telling a story from um, a data perspective. I mean, it's, it's really cool. I, yeah, I agree too. The other, the other thing, which I think you're, um, I would imagine you're probably going down this path too. Like the other 
um, role that we just rolled out on our CX ops team, as well as a, um, somebody to help us with internal enablement. So, um, somebody who's helping us go around to some of those teams, not only just CSMs, but implementation, um, implementation support, strategic services, any customer facing role. We now have a CX ops person who is, um, trying to make sure, do we have the right assets created? Um, are we tell, are we all using the same verbiage? Are we training people the right ways? Like, so they're kind of looking at that and helping um, us as leaders kind of go around and make sure that everything's um, kind of done internally in a way that we can feel confident is, you know, everyone's kind of saying that same message as we go out. So that's another role that we've added recently that I think is going to start to become the norm and, and something that we've found critical as well. Yeah, so that's actually timely as well. I, I had a conversation again this morning um, with another leader um, at SecureWorks talking about um, quality. And now we have good templates, we have our methodology um, and all that is great, but how do we ensure that it's gone to that next level um, that drives the goodness that we're expecting with our customers. Um, yeah. so it's, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it is a conversation that we're having and it's an important one as well. Yeah. Hey, that's the fun part about, uh, being in a business that's growing and scaling is that you get, uh, you know, change is the constant, uh, which is, you know, the, the good and the bad. Um, you know, if you want to work in a place that uh, you feel like there's opportunities that are ample and you, um, kind of find your way, then you get to get, you get to do that, which is fun. Um, right. well, this has been, this has been awesome. Um, I know we try and keep these episodes relatively short, but I would love to, I don't know. There's more that I'm sure there's like so many more things we can dive into, but, um, I just appreciate this so much because you're, you're talking about standing up, you know, an entirely new customer success function to, um, a business that is adopting SaaS and, you know, how do you get your, your CSMs rallied around that? How do you then go tell the story to your customers? Um, and then how CS ops plays a role. So I think there's so many good little nuggets that you talked about, um, and, and an action packed, uh, 12 months for you. Like that is crazy <laughs> amount of change to go through. Um, so I've appreciated this, uh, a lot, Christine, but if people want to find you, uh, find out, find more about you, ask you questions, like where's the best place for them to, uh, to reach out. Totally um, engage with me on LinkedIn, Christine Lavery. There's not a whole lot of us out there, so um, <laughs> should be able to find me pretty easily. Um, but I, um, I have a lot of passion around customer success on this topic and um, love to chat with other professionals on this as well. And yeah, looking forward to engaging perhaps more with you, Jeff, and um, yeah. folks in the community. So thank you again for this opportunity. Yeah. 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 We'll definitely make that happen. Um, and I would say too, you know, I think, um, I've already, I'm already seeing, a, I, I like to do this where I just preface, Hey, we'll, we'll probably have an episode two with you because the other thing that I think is really interesting that, um, we didn't really touch on today, but I would imagine you've become good at because you've had to do it over the last 12 months is just, um, almost like shepherding your team through a lot of change, you know, how, how to keep your teams excited and motivated. And, um, you know, you're probably rolling out playbooks and, and there's some testing, right. You're kind of Hey, we don't know if this is going to work yet. Cause this is the, maybe the first time we're rolling it out. And so, um, I think there's this whole element, especially remote, remote first cultures in these days. Like, I think it'd be fun for us to talk through how you've, um, just thought about those rollouts, the changes, how you've kind of kept the team excited. So, um, I'll preface it and say, Hey, I won't, I won't bother you, uh, you know, around the holidays right now, but maybe like in early 2022, we can get you on for another one. All right, cool. I would love to do it. Change management, passionate about that too. So would love <laughs> to, to discuss that with you as well. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy the holidays and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you here soon, Christine. Great. Sounds good. Take care. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.